Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon here on a Friday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller. For the next couple of hours, talking sports with you. Thanks for spending some of the morning here with us. Uh, the BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. So we will start at the bottom of the hour, thereabouts, with our friend John Cannon. Covered the NBA for uh, quite a, a long period of time, whether it be in Golden State or in Phoenix. And sadly, the curtain has come down on the NBA season last night as uh, Golden State went on a, just a monumental run, 21-point run, um, and just took it to the Celtics, and it was uh, over at that point. So we will talk to John Cannon about the NBA, uh, in particular game number six from last night. Dave Sproul will finish out our number one, catch up on the Cyclones with her buddy from KASI, 1430 on the AM dial. To begin our number two, we will head to Vegas. Mike Palm will give us uh, go inside the numbers a little bit with Mike Palm. I uh, look forward to that uh, on his weekly spot. And then Tom Cakert, a lot of Hawkeye news. A lot of Cyclone news as well as the recruiting continues. Boy, Campbell and his staff have had a terrific week. Uh, but we'll talk Hawks with uh, Tom Cakert about 11.30 or thereabouts. Men's basketball schedule. The opponents, uh, not the dates, but the opponents. Um, who will you get home and home? Who will you go there and not get the return visit and vice versa? Um We'll talk to Tom about that and other stuff. Before we give you a chance to win some barbecue from our friends at Claxons, Claxons 3131 8th Street Southwest in Altoona, online ClaxonBBQ.com, ClaxonBBQ.com. Well, Trent Condon, we'd hoped we'd get a Game 7. It was not in the cards as it was too much Golden State. It was too much... Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins and company, uh, they were just the better team when it was all said and done. It really was. They figured it out after that game one, went to the Iguodala, that didn't work. And then you get healthy Peyton, at least as healthy as we saw since the injury. They figured it out. Mm -hmm. Talked about Steve Kerr a lot here over the last week, week and a half, and he's a wizard once again. The defensive intensity that they had after two days off where the whole rhetoric can't turn it over. You just you can't turn it over. Yeah, and they turn it over twenty two times. It's amazing that defense. Yeah. And we think of the Warriors, and we think of Steph and the great shooting, and Clay, one of the best pure shooters we've ever seen. Draymond doing his thing. We think about all these different elements, but it's the defense, mm-hmm. and it's the defense again that showed up in a big time way last. And the night. offensive rebounding too. Yeah. They just killed him on the offensive glass. Golden State did. Uh, look, Draymond Green played his best game of the series last mm-hmm. night. His last two have been his best two. He looked like the Hall of Famer that uh, a lot of folks believe he is. And it's hard to make a case that he's not going to be, uh, you know, hear his name uh, at some point, uh, get into that hallowed, hallowed building because, man, oh, man, 
in a clinching game, 12-12 and eight assists last night. He was terrific. He was excellent. He was great. He made a couple of big pull-up shots. Yeah, he got a couple of threes. Yeah. It was a pretty good prop out there. You know, I almost took a taste um, of Draymond making a three because he's been so brutal. Right. Uh, but he had two of them last night. And hadn't made one in the series until he knocked down that first and, and added one more. He just, he is in the middle of everything. Yeah. He's out there. Yep. He's not a likable figure if you don't have a rooting interest. But <laughs> right. he is so important for what they do. And Steph's 33-footer. Just Ugh. a thing of beauty. There, what was that? Is that in the third quarter that he hit that one? Yeah, I think uh, when yeah, they were stretching it, was, it yep, out. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. And then, it was what twenty two, twenty two, yeah, twenty two to sixteen at one point in the basketball for Boston, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then blink and boom, um, Boston couldn't make a shot and Golden State couldn't miss a shot, and away they went. I uh, took another taste on the live line on Boston. Just gave it a little shot. Did you? Went down with the ship. I did, yeah. Just went back to that well one more time. Of course, had the bet that we talked about, had the Pacific wager, had another uh, Golden State wager that I had from, oh boy, it was back uh, towards the beginning of the playoffs. So, you know, kind of hedging a little bit, playing around a little bit, and it was more than anything hopeful. Hopeful, But right. what we learned again last night was Golden State, they just figured it out. They figured out how to play, and plenty of talk about them with John Cannon. The Boston side of this, young team. Mm-hmm. Tatum's 24, mm-hmm. Brown's 25, even Marcus Smart's only 28. Right, Feels like he's a little older than that. He's still only 28. Got a good core. They have no bench. Trent, the bench, what, what did uh, Van Gundy say at one point? At one point, early in the second quarter, their bench was a minus 50? You know, the plus-minus staff? Wow. They get a 50 at one point. I, I think it was like 11 minutes, probably 13 minutes into the game. Uh, if you want to look at it that way, the, the, the bench was just horrific, just terrible last night. Um, killed him. Horford was great. He was. He was. I mean, he, he did everything he could. It's not that uh, he he wasn't going to go down without a fight. He he played exceptionally well. Brown was good, but Tatum not so much. Is he hurt or fatigued? Yeah. I mean, the they, turnovers they had that he had in these in the playoff run for him was just. He's a turnover machine. He's look. He's a really good player. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't his series. It wasn't his series. It was Steph Curry's. It was Andrew Wiggins. It was Draymond Green's, and it was Steve Kerr's. Um, it was um, you know four titles now. I guess Trent that for the first time in a long time, Steph Curry could put his head on his pillow knowing that he's a Hall of Famer because <laughs> until he gets that MVP in the playoffs, he doesn't belong in that group. Come on, please. Ooh, a lot of stupid narratives. What do you talk about all timers? And he's heard, on the list. Well, I heard Bill Simmons talk about kind of the pantheon he had. He had the book of basketball, and he's uh-huh. you know, always still working on it. He moved him into his all-time top ten after last night. I don't. It's it's hard to quantify, right? right. When you put, match up eras, etc. But he moved him ahead of guys like Shaq, Oscar Robertson. Okay. And on the surface, even that maybe feels like a hill too far. But something that I talked with you earlier this week, he changed basketball. He did. The game has uh-huh. evolved so much, and it doesn't matter if you're watching a high school game or a college game or AU basketball. The way that he has changed it, he has given... His impact on the NBA trend has been... It's um, bigger than those guys. It, it is. I because guess you. what? You're not going to be 7'1", 300 pounds no, like Shaq. No, no, no. You're not going to be just a physical dynamo like Ron. But he's more than... He's a great shooter. Yes. Uh, except for game five. Um, he's a great shooter. 
but he's, he, that's not his only game. Because mm-hmm. he can guard you a little bit. He can. And, and he can, uh, he, he's not scared. He's got a little Allen Iverson in him. Taking the, putting the ball on the floor and taking it to the goal. A couple of his biggest shots were at the rim. Again, mm-hmm. last night, yep. uh, when they were, Boston had another little run, I think. And then he kind of runs into the crowd a little bit, goes past the backboard, <laughs> and kind of flexes a little bit with his mouth guard dangling uh-huh. out of his mouth. He had a couple of good ones. One uh, after I think they went up 22 and he was pointing to the finger for the ring. He had yeah, another yeah, one I saw that right? late in the game yeah. in the fourth quarter when he hits another one, and then he's putting his like he's putting his head down on a pillow, uh-huh. putting him to sleep. Yeah, when he put the when he put the the, the ring, you know, put the f- ring on, uh, did that little meme or whatever you call those things. A oh, boy, you better seal the steel. <laughs> right, exactly. Don't let this one right. come back. Yeah, that one's going to linger for a but, while. But once they did take the lead and assumed the, their dominance as they did in the second half, I mean, Boston tried to get close a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, but it never felt like, or, or once, it, almost like a cat in a ball of yarn. Yeah. That's kind of how Golden State was playing with them. They were toying with them a little bit. And it took so much for them just to get it back to 10, 12, whatever mm-hmm. it was at the end of the fourth quarter. And you knew they had to carry that momentum early. Right. And it just, Wasn't they there. never could get over nope. the hump. They got it to eight at one point, but that was as close as they could get. They expended so much energy just to get it to that point after being down 22. It wasn't in the cards nope. for them. It just wasn't in. It's a better team. Tatum, I don't think this is an indictment on Jason Tatum. No, I don't either. I, I Like you said, I think this is a young team. They'll, they're going to be back. They're going to have another opportunity to you know, to uh, go one step further. And they have a good mid-level exemption, so they can bring in a good veteran with that exemption. I was thinking of a guy, though, because they don't have your traditional point guard. And now, not a starter. But I just had this fleeting thought as I was driving in this morning. Who would make sense? And well, it's a guy with local ties. Mm-hmm. Monte Morris. Mm-hmm. You put Monte Morris on this going. team, and he plays 18 to 22 minutes a game in the playoffs, can knock down an open three, knows how to run your team, doesn't turn it over. That's true. <laughs> he, he is. <laughs> Be an anomaly on that bunch. But you throw a guy like that. It doesn't That's not happen. bad. That's not bad. But a player like yeah. that that... Doesn't demand starters minutes. Mm-hmm. Is not going to be a guy that you need to go out there 36 minutes a game. He is happy in that role on a great team. I think he would be a perfect compliment. Yeah. A guy, if it's not Monte, a guy it's, very similar it's to a that. Good fit. That, that would be a good fit. He would be a good fit. I and if Marcus is being a knucklehead and he's turning it over a bunch... We're going to go here. Yeah, they bought his flops early in the game. I'm not sure if you saw a couple of them getting the kids to bed. But I did early know. in the game. Yeah, he was. He uh, was selling. He was selling, and the refs were buying early in that basketball game. Golden, I mean, Boston came out. They were what twelve two to begin the basketball game. It was two nothing Golden State, and then a twelve zero run for Boston. And then that run um, in the started in the first quarter, and just they just kept extending, and Boston just kept missing shot after shot after shot. And so it ends. The curtain comes down on the NBA, and normally at this time of year, it's, well, we'll see at Christmas, but that's not the case this year, because the NFL's got a full slate on Christmas Day. We'll see in 2023. We'll see in 2023 in April. Once they cut down the nets in uh, in college basketball, we'll pick up on the NBA. But look at Trent, we say it every year, it, it's a great sport. These guys are incredibly gifted, very physical. Um, it's it's it strikes you when you when you go from the college game after not watch because you and I both watch Timberwolves and that's kind of our extent yep. maybe the Bulls yep uh, periodically but we don't watch a ton of it um, but it's just the, the the difference is stark isn't it as yeah. far as what you can get away with and can't get away with in college when you go to the pros game but these are men these are absolutely men that we're watching I I think the biggest revelation that we saw in this playoffs. To me, was Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, I, I never 
thought that the uh, that this guy had this type of game. It's the defensive end of the floor that just blows me away with him. He's um, he's accepted his role and he's flourished in his role. Hits four three pointers in the game last mm-hmm. night, that including his first one, which got him going. Eighteen six five four and three. That's his line: points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. Mm. Just filling up the stat yep. sheet, a little bit of everything, and then great on ball defense. A guy that you wondered about. What was ticking inside of him? Wait, what, what he's made not him the go? most motivated dude, Trent. And I, I get it. Not everybody. If you've got a lot of guys want their summer off. But he's got a chance to lead a country. <laughs> Would it kill you? <laughs> well, you I mean, maybe, you maybe you have a little bit different today. View. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> your view is a little bit different We're because just a tad, right? it's your country. Right, also. right, right. Pretty good guy, though. No, he absolutely is. Absolutely is. We happen to know his head coach. Who I'm guessing Nick yeah. Nurse thinks the world of him. and would love to have him. One more thought I had in my notes for today. And it's about a guy that has been hard for me to understand. That's Kevin Durant. Yeah. Now a title without him. Of course, they got mm-hmm. the first one without yep. him. Yep. Two and three years while he was there. And now this side of it. First of all... His decision-making is the part that I I just never got. Mm -hmm. He just wants to ball. He's just a basketball player. But I hated the way he went there. You're coming off a historic team that, yes, got beat, but coming off a historic team that won, what, 73 games that Mm -hmm. year, and he'd go there. He took the easy way out. Yeah, You know what it was good for? On on one, it was was bad. It looks kind of – it hasn't worked out so far for Durant. Yeah. It helps Curry's legacy. It absolutely does. Got two without him. Uh One before, one after. And that takes him up certainly another level, I think, when you're talking about him historically. But Kevin Durant, that decision, all right, that was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Went there, got a couple of titles. And I think he assumed, well, everybody now will consider me the greatest player in the league because now I got the titles. Right. Yeah, but you went to Golden State, who Mm -hmm. was a ready-made team. And yes, you took him up to another level and you were great, but it didn't have it. Now you're trying to do it on your own and it's not working. His decision-making, if there was some other ears in the camp, maybe how different... Because he's just a basketball player. Mm-hmm. That's all he wants to do. Right. He, he wants to do well, that. And fight with his critics. Right, right. Yeah. That, but it's about the basketball with him. But he's another unlikable figure. Certainly for me. I just, I can't wrap my mind around that guy. And this one, I think is kind of another knock against him too. Okay, you made that decision. Then he left. And now look at what they're doing without you. And, and what how different maybe his legacy can be. And as he gets older, and he's in, what, 14th year in the league? Is he that long now? My gosh. Is he going to have another title? Depends where he goes, I guess. Is he going to push his way out again? Uh He hitched his wagon to Kyrie. Another not great decision there. I want to bring this up uh, away from basketball. Alex Cohen, the voice of the uh, Cubs, Mm -hmm. um, he tweeted last night, the the I Cubs they were, I'm not is it still Omaha it might still be Omaha okay regardless they they had a game last night a, ga- a game that was a full nine innings because the I Cubs lost meaning that they took their turn at uh, in the ninth inning fifteen hits ten runs seven home runs right so nine innings fifteen hits ten runs seven of which left the ballpark how long did that game take to complete. How long would a major league game take to complete? Three hours and 52 minutes. Okay, I was going to say three hours and 30 minutes, right? Somewhere (laughs) around there. 320, three-something anyways. The game last night at Principal Park, nine inning, 15 hit, 10 home runs, seven via the home run ball, with a pitch clock, 
Took an hour and 55 minutes to beautiful, complete. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. You know what? MLB is looking for the silver bullet mm-hmm. as to how they can maybe expand their fan base. I mean, they still get the television numbers. <laughs> Major yeah. League Baseball's fine. Yep. I, I do got to get a kick out of the gloom and doomers. But the, there, it, it's, a, it's a, I think, a fair criticism of the length of games in Major League Baseball. A buck fifty-five, as John Bolenkamp would say in a tidy hour and fifty-five minutes. <laughs> that, that game was over at Principal Park. So I remember the first time they installed the pitch clock, and I went to one of the early season games that year down at Principal Park. And the first probably two innings, it was a little bit jarring. I, I was sitting, yeah, I could see that up there a little bit, and you see it, and you you also saw people peeking at it a lot more. You saw both the catcher, catcher and pitcher kind of looking out there a little bit more, and he, after a couple innings, they get used to it. Right? And you don't even notice it as a right. fan. It, it's nothing that is a huge, impactful yeah. thing. And what do they put a little clock on the score bug if, as you're watching a major league game? If they do that, I, I wonder. Yeah, yeah. Max Scherzer is going to bitch and complain because that's what Max Scherzer mm-hmm. does. And when he has the baseball, he controls the pace. He wants to go fast, to go fast. He wants to go slow. He'll go slow. Got to evolve. What is it? Evolve or die? Right. You got to evolve. And for major league pitchers, and they're going to be complaining about it. Yeah. And the same thing for batters. Get in the box. Let's go. But go back and watch an old game. Flip on ESPN. Well, ESPN Classic's not a thing anymore. <laughs> MLB Network when they're replaying an old game. And just look at the pace of play and how good it is and how entertaining it is and how much more engaged you are in the game. So how do you how do you institute it? Because if you go to spring training, there's no punishment, mm-hmm. right? I, I think it's the guys like Scherzer or, you know, the hard boots uh, uh, that, um, that hate change mm-hmm. that almost have to be out of the game or at the end of their career. Yeah. Because the guys obviously coming through the ranks now, they're used to it. They absolutely are, yeah. But a, an hour and fifty-five minutes for a baseball game—I mean, that's almost that's almost like you're not quite getting your money's worth. And it's not like it was a one-nothing game, right? There was had a bunch of runs scored, two hits on each side. Yep. Make it quicker, make yeah. it better. It's just—I I find myself Move doing that all the along. time, yeah. Because all right, I got my phone out, and here I am on yeah. Twitter, and oh, what happened? It didn't really matter. You, you just. Yankees, Red Sox, Sunday night baseball. Oh. You know that's four hours plus. Yeah, every single time. Locked in. Start that thing at four o'clock. Maybe yeah. you'll get done by nine. Right. It just. I'm with you. I've been a long time proponent. Just the first time that I saw it mm-hmm. actually in place. Just how. So you said. How much you, so you looked at it for the first couple of innings. Yep. It did it bother you, or did you? Kind of. I was yeah. just like, all right, this is weird. It's yeah. different. It's it's a change, and I found myself looking at it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Well, how close are they getting to the pitch clock? But that's the other part. It's not a hard clock. It's not a buzzer goes off. And it is. It's to the umpire's discretion. Right. So if a guy's there and he is just getting ready for his warm-up as it wind up, excuse me, as it goes to zero, they're not gonna no time, <laughs> call the ball. Yeah. That's not how it is. It is it's a loose kind of interpretation mm-hmm. of a pitch clock. Which is why I don't think you can do it at spring training because the guys don't care. Right, right. You know, they're into their, especially early, they're going to get their work done and mm-hmm. they'll take their time doing it. And maybe on the, on the other hand, maybe since they are just, you know, loosening up and starting to go through and get back into game shape, maybe you don't want to put that extra pressure of pitching quickly on them because you can, you know, if, if an, if an injury happens, whether it has anything to do with speeding up the, uh, the, the pitcher or not, you know, it's going to come back and bite. I don't know how you're going to do it without waiting for, you know, some of these veterans, uh, to leave the game, which means we're a few years away from this. Speaking of baseball, uh, found it interesting here over the last day or two, a lot of negative columns being written, a lot of. On baseball? About Jed Hoyer. Well, and the rebuild with the Cubs right. and how it's not, no, it's going not a well. rebuild. Right. 
<laughs> if you listen to Jed. Yeah. The negativity that's happening here. Mm-hmm. You know who's leading the parade? The Pied Piper of media in Chicago. David Kaplan. Oh, yeah? He, he, he is, Do you watch his recaps? No. I feel bad for him that he's got another 100-whatever-it-is <laughs> or 80-something games of this. It's going to kill him. He's being compensated. He'll be all right. Yeah, that's true. He's making a lot of money. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, but no, there's people that aren't even, aren't even watching Marquee Network. They've just given up on this team. Is he hamstrung, hamstrung though, by Ricketts? Yeah. Well, Ricketts could, um, yes. I think the answer is yes. He has not been playing with the full deck here. No. He has not been given all the keys to a big market club. They have... They have cut payroll. Mm-hmm. They have slashed in different ways. Well, what did Cap say? They're the fourth most expensive tickets, but it's the most expensive game day experience. So not just getting in Every, the ballpark. Yeah, everything. You, yep. you, you, I guess that means you park. Mm-hmm. Four uh, hot dogs. Yeah, four hot dogs. <laughs> I, I, I a couple guess. of beers, a couple of sodas for a family right. of four. Yeah. Program. Who buys a program? Nobody buys no, a no. program. It's Got on it on your phone. phone. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but it's the most expensive... But here's the here's the what what Ricketts has going for him, Wrigley Field. Yeah, there there was a time it didn't matter if they're no. good or they're bad. You got to go to Wrigley because they were usually bad. They were usually bad, and he still went. Wrigley Field in the bleachers was, I can remember this, um, being told that it is the biggest social scene mm-hmm. for single twenty thirty somethings in Chicago. Yeah. on the day of a game. The bleachers in Wrigley Field. I remember those days. It's um, winking at somebody. Hey, we'll see you at Murphy's afterwards. Right? <laughs> yeah, and it's the whole Wrigley experience. Look, the hotel that he built is full. Uh-huh. Hotel is full, and it's not cheap. It's not cheap to spend the night there. You're, you're not getting a seventy nine dollar. No, rank. no, there's no breaks. No <laughs> breaks. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's Ricketts, and as, and as Cap has said repeatedly, he's told us the last couple of weeks he's going to give them this year. They've got this year, but they better go out and spend some money and bring in some of this high-priced talent. They're going to. They've essentially gutted. Who's left from sixteen? Contreras. Mm-hmm. There it is. And Ian Hap, kinda. Ian Hap, kinda. Hendricks. Yeah. Uh, That's about it. That might be it. <laughs> might be it. Off the top of my head, I'm Hayward. The scary part is though. It's not like this is an organization that is flush with talent down here on the farm. It's not that you look through that mm-hmm. system. Their number one guy, Davis, is a hurt. Yep. Had back surgery, which is scary in its own right. You know what I would like to see? And when we talk to Alex Cohen, we get him uh, when, the te- when the team comes back. Where, where was Morell on the um, on the depth as far as prospect depth? I think where was he listed? Do you know? I remember when he got called up and he had that great start in the triple and we talked about yeah. it. And I looked it up. I think he was... Baseball America had him ninth, and MLB.com in the had him system or like overall? 11th. No, eleventh. No, he was on the fringes of a top one hundred guy. Okay, we're not talking about a can't miss. You know, we, right. he, he was, looks like he is now. He absolutely he really does. does. Looks like he belongs, and it's yeah. not just that he's a good player. There's just something about him. Oh, the charisma! Yes, he's got that. Yeah. Also, the things that are difficult to measure, mm-hmm. he's got that in a big time way. But yeah, he wasn't some can't miss guy. He was not some guy that was anticipated. Oh yeah, he's going to come up and you know go to three or four or five all-star games and and be a fixture. 
you're hopeful. Right. And maybe he turns into a solid everyday guy. That's right. kind of what it was. Looks better than that, at least early here. He does. We'll take a timeout. More NBA conversation. John Cannon's going to uh, put bow on uh, on this playoffs from a Golden State perspective as Golden State just hammered the Celtics. Dave Sproul coming up. Our number two, Mike Palm, will go to Vegas. Circus Sports sponsors him. Uh, look forward to catching up with Mike Palm, Tom Kakert, likewise. And then we'll give you an opportunity to win some barbecue from Claxons. Oh my gosh, Cubs are now tied with a team that started 3 and 22. That must be your Cincinnati Reds. Unbelievable. Uh they're on pace to lose 100 ball games. Going to bet against that? Not right now. Not right now. Miller and Condon 1025 Des Moines Sports Station 106.3.org to register. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNL and 106.3 FM. Here's Ken and Trent. Condon, welcome back. Just past 10.30 on a Friday Claxons Barbecue giveaway. We will do that with four of you. If you haven't played in the last 30 days, you're eligible uh, to participate. That coming up here in about an hour and 20 minutes. Right now, John Cannon. You can follow him on Twitter at John Cannon Sports. Covered the league for a long time. Golden State and in Phoenix. And Golden State, your 2021-22 NBA champions. John Cannon, good morning. How are you? Well, I'm good. Uh, I, I'm I'm better than I really thought I'd be. That 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 affected me more than I thought that it would. It was uh, watching those guys after that game. Yeah, really, really, you know, just hit me um, how special this this whole thing is. No, it really is. It's unfortunate that it didn't happen at home. You know, you hate because there was nobody around for the most part to uh, to watch it. But but um, that's the way it is, right? In sports and championships, it makes it better, Ken, because it's just them. Yeah, right? it's that's just them okay. And their family. All right. And they don't have to share with yeah. twenty thousand people. And and Draymond has said for years because they cl- they clinched the first one in Cleveland. He said there's nothing better than clinching on the other team's home floor. Clinching at home's fine. I'll take mm-hmm. it. But there's nothing better than clinching on the other team's home floor. And when you're doing it in a place that only one other team has ever done it, and that was in 1985, the mm-hmm. Lakers beat Boston in the Garden. That, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. Yeah, there was a bunch of uh, Hall of Famers on the floor that night. No doubt about it. That's an interesting yeah. way of looking at it, John. You know what? Um, I, I I like that take. That's that's a good take. You know what else I liked was Andrew Wiggins and his coming out party uh, throughout this playoffs. Quite honestly, maybe he was like this throughout the regular season, but I I saw a different dude that we watched. Uh, certainly, uh, as the overall number one pick in in the Twin Cities, he's a different player. Boy, oh boy, he was his motivation uh, w- was through the roof. Good to see that Andrew Wiggins has that uh, has that game. Uh, that quite honestly, I wasn't sure he did. Well, I'm, I'm going to argue that it's the same player in a different environment, and it, and it, and and what I wanted to talk about today really circles back to that, and it's this whole Warrior organization and how it has succeeded since Joe Lake have bought the team. And I'm reading a book by Eckhart Tolle called A New Earth, and it's all about awareness and awareness of our own ego and how much of, of our decisions are made by an ego part of our brain that if left to just do what it wants, it, it gets us into trouble. And it seems to me the Warriors have a line of men and it's unfortunate there aren't men and women, but right now they're men. 
from Joe Lacob, Bob Myers, Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, that those four men have the ability to manage their ego. They all have a big ego because they, they wouldn't be where they are without it, but they manage it. Joe Lacob understands my job, write checks, hire good people, get out of their way, let them do their thing. Bob Myers was a player agent and was a mediocre player. I'm not sure, I don't think he even played in the NBA. He played at UCLA, so he could play a little bit, but he was a player agent before he became a general manager. So he understands from the player's perspective how this whole thing works. Steve Kerr, backup for many years in the NBA. I think he started a little bit here and there, but he was mostly a sharpshooter off the bench, give spacing, especially with the Bulls, great fit in the triangle offense. He got to see how um, an ego that was unmanaged, Michael Jordan's, made things miserable for everyone around him. Michael Jordan, reading this book about Steve Kerr, Michael Jordan was a terrible person to be around when he was playing with the Bulls. And Steve Kerr understood not only how not to be that himself, but he understood as a guy who was a bench player how to get, keep your bench players involved and active. And that's something that I think Epi Adoka needs to learn because you're right, his bench was terrible in this series. The Warriors' very first series under Steve Kerr drank the numbers. It was going 10 and 12 deep. He was getting contributions from Leandro Barbosa and all these guys we've all forgotten about. They weren't great players at the tail end of their careers. They were guys nobody heard of. And so then it goes to Steph Curry. Steph Curry absolutely manages his ego. You know he's got one because the guy's pointing at his ring finger on the floor, okay? (laughs) So he's got it. But he manages it in such a way that he leads by example of doing whatever is best for the team. And, and, And he works the hardest. Jerry Rice did this with the 49ers. He works the hardest. So who on the team could say, oh, I'm not going to get those extra shots up? Because, you know, Steph's doing it. you got to do it. Everybody has to follow along when the leader puts his ego aside and does whatever is best for the whole team. And then it, it just transfers to Draymond and Clay and all these guys. If you have a big ego, and I think Durant is, is this guy, mm-hmm. you won't last there. It just doesn't work. It doesn't fit. And that's where I'm going to argue with the, the Mitchell. The Mitchell, how about that? Andrew Wiggins what, just needed this environment because he's a guy that's never led with his ego. He's never felt like, oh, i got to go get 30 every night. He's just wanted to be surrounded by people who appreciated mm-hmm. him and, and let him play and be comfortable, and, and then he blossomed in that environment. So the book is A New Earth. I recommend it to everyone. You will be shocked when you see the behavior, your own behavior. You'll recognize, you'll go, oh, wait a minute. That was totally egoic, and, I don't, and it did not serve me. Let me do something different next time. And, and you'll also see it in, in other people around you. It's, it's hysterical. Going a step further with that, John, and certainly looking at Steph, getting the another title without Durant. We talked about that a little bit later on. You go back to Game 5. He struggled with his shot. Didn't make a three-pointer for the first time in his playoff career, first time in four years. All the numbers that were out there, but he still impacted that game as they won it, even with him not shooting the basketball well. His legacy, it was a silly conversation before these finals. He needed an MVP to, to really solidify himself as a Hall of Famer. We know that that was ridiculous in its own right, but the emotion that we saw from him, and just he is such a different guy than what we're used to as a superstar He's an easy one. You don't have to be a Warrior fan to love Steph Curry. It's shocking how many people hate him. 
Yeah, I don't right? get it. It, is, it tells you a lot about the country. You know, if you hate Steph Curry, it says a lot more about you than it does about Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's a guy that is a, a team player, a great player, transcendent player, never gets caught up in his own transcendency. And, in fact, my favorite Steph Curry quote was, they asked him when they made the finals, what's different about this? Then the first time, he said, well, I got parent-teacher conferences in the morning. <laughs> you know, and that's that's totally Steph Curry. So, but yet, he's also the guy, and you've seen the video, I'm sure, shaking a champagne bottle and saying some things in that locker room. He was releasing some tension. He just knows how to do it and when to do it. And and it's it's a crack-up because you guys work in radio. So you know, you've all worked for people who were managing with their egos. Mm-hmm. And and you all saw where that leads. The, the Warriors, when Joe, Joe Lacob took over, the problem was when you have bad leadership, and Chris Cohen was an awful owner. He was really one of the worst in pro sports. The bad people stay and the good people go. And when you try to turn that around, it's like trying to turn around an aircraft carrier because you got all these bad people. Now, the good thing about pro sports, as opposed to like a university setting where everybody's got tenure, you can get rid of people quickly, um, but you have to know how to do it and when to do it. And Lakeup has pushed all the right buttons uh, since he took over that team. Uh, Jordan Poole pushed all the right buttons last night. Uh, he's got a, he's got a, you mentioned the role players on this team. He's certainly, certainly one of them. Uh, that, uh, you could tell that meant a lot to him. Uh, the, uh, the culmination of winning a trophy last night as they did. He, he was terrific on the floor and certainly has a massive role on this basketball team. And another guy, I'm just going to keep bringing this up, managed his ego. You know, uh, star player coming out of Michigan, but then he had a terrible experience his first year in the NBA. wasn't really ready, but what did he? He worked all off season that first year with Chris DeMarco. Again, the Warriors talk about who the assistant coaches are that help these guys. They give them the credit. Chris DeMarco was the guy that worked every day with Jordan Poole during the off season that first year. The second year, they sent him to the G League, and he excelled in the G League bubble came back to the team toward the end of last year, helped them in that push that they made. They won 15 of their last 20 games and, and got to the you know got to the play-in. Um, and then this year, he had to manage his ego when Clay came back. He had to understand, look, I'm a backup right. on this team. Right. I've got to pick my spots. And, and it was a struggle. It wasn't, always, it wasn't always smooth. But, man, you used my term, Trent, at the beginning of this conversation. The Warriors figure it out. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Poole figured out where his ego needed to be to make this whole thing work, and he did it. And, man, I loved last night on TV how much love the Warriors were getting from the national media because I don't think they've ever really gotten it. The first thing took took everybody by surprise. The second year, they lost it. Then Durant came in, and it didn't count because you got a cheat code, right? And then, then they lose in 19. They go completely off the radar, and I think people are just now saying, wow, this is really something special, and and I'm I'm just really happy, gratified that I that I was able to see it, and and, and I was able to kind of be there from the beginning. I mean, I a good friend of mine is their radio guy, Tim Roy, and so and and he has been their radio guy for over 25 years. He did a lot of 17 win seasons. I mean, he could he could rattle off for you 200 NBA players that you've never heard of that played key roles on games that he broadcasted. And, and the day Steve Kerr showed up, 
everything changed. I really started with Lakeup because he started getting Myers in. He got the pieces together. But when Mark Jackson, who was one of the most egoic coaches there ever was, he didn't want any good assistant coaches. He wanted to get all the credit. He didn't want his assistant coaches to ever do interviews. When he left the Warriors, 200 people in that organization hated him. And they brought in Steve Kerr. And it was like the sun came out. And I mentioned to you how all of a sudden they passed the ball. That's all they do. And so just being able to be part of that from, from the jump has been a, a great experience for me. And, and I'm, I'm just really happy to see it. And it's not going to end anytime soon, I don't think. Well, we shall see. John, uh, thanks for doing this for us. It was it was a wonderful playoff run. Uh, the the right the right team won the uh, mm-hmm. won the trophy. I mean, there's no doubt about that. John, thank you. Thank you, and I will talk to you guys in April. Indeed. <laughs> Take care. Good to hear from you, John Cannon. Uh, as we catch up with our uh, buddy, do you remember the pass? I don't know. Maybe two minutes left in the first half. Draymond Green, essentially from the logo mm-hmm. to yeah. Clay Thompson. What a pass! He still got that right. Oh my God, that was that was one of the wow moments where I jumped out of my just wow. Um, he was great last night. Draymond Green was fantastic. Really, really was. Um, good for him. Yeah, good for him. And. You look at the way that Bob Myers has built this organization. Mm-hmm. There is sustainability, even mm-hmm. as these guys are certainly on the back nine of their career. Right, there is sustainability there, and it's it's not what LeBron did at all his stops. It's all about now, 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 now. Four in eight years, six finals in eight years, and a year where they got the number one pick or had the worst record in the league. I think mm-hmm. they got the second pick that year in the lottery, and here they are. Uh, it's uh, uh, ten forty-five. We'll come back. Dave Sproul will catch up on D- with Dave Sproul on Iowa State comings and goings. It's Des Moines Sports Station one hundred six point. Hi, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station one hundred six point three kicks. And oh, Dave Sproul momentarily before we get to Dave Nickmick. NCMIC likes to promote these farmer's markets that are happening. Busy weekend tonight. Uh, Norwalk has their farmer's market. It's at the Norwalk Christian Church tonight from 4 uh, uh, from four until 7. Uh, that's Friday nights now through the end of October. Saturday, busy day. Global Greens Farmer's Market. That is at the Lutheran Services of Iowa Des Moines campus. Uh, the Uptown Ankeny Farmer's Market underway from 9 until noon. Indianola tomorrow. Indianola will have... Uh, one at the down the, Farm Gr- uh, the fairgrounds at the fairgrounds. Thank you very much, Trent Condon, uh, for helping me out there. So uh, that's just a partial list of the week, but we'll try and do this each and every day. Month Sunday, Mondays, not so much as there are none. Dave Sproul joins us uh, as we get into the Cyclones. Hello, Dave Sproul. How are you? I'm spectacularly well. Congratulations on the new pup, by the way, Jet. Jet slept last night. I couldn't be happier. Got a little sleep. You had a little more pep in your step, I noticed, this I morning. I was just out to the world. Anyways, uh, yeah, we're having a ball with Jet. Hey, uh, Dave, uh, let's let's get into Iowa State. It's kind of a slow period, although uh, there's a lot of camps going on. And man, oh, man, it's seemingly uh, if um, you know Campbell gets them there, he's got a chance to land them. And, and Iowa State has had a, a terrific run. What, they get four, I think, uh, four uh, verbals this week alone, uh, and and some big names, some local names, in-state kids. Good to see. 
Yeah, uh, didn't expect a Big 12 player to be coming out of Hartley Melvin Sanborn High School, but <laughs> here we are. Uh, but the, the the value in those camps in a lot of ways, I mean, there, there's a lot of them. Uh, but uh, the big things is for the, the you know the coaches to to get a look at these guys in action against other competition that's kind of probably of similar skill level. I know there's varying skill levels as part of these camps. They're not all elite recruits, but you know it's not just one kid who's dominating one a competition. You get to really see how they uh, measure up to, to some of the other, you know, big school class kids. And uh, the other part of it, too, is that you don't get you, that time you get to spend with the coaches there, some one-on-one, get to know kids a little better. Those are things Matt Campbell has talked about. It's not about how much he values relationships and how important that is in recruiting, building that trust with recruits and, and selling on, on what Iowa State has to offer in, in that way. So, yeah, those, those caps are are pretty valuable, not a place, you know, I want to hang out, which is nice. a big reason I don't cover recruiting, but, yeah. uh, you know, it's 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 pretty valuable to to all these programs. Well, big enough recruiting weekend again. More official visitors will be on campus, and we'll talk more with that, Nick Osa, next week here on the program. Dave, it's the summertime. We've gone through spring practice. We've kind of gone through all the different position groups, what we anticipate to see as we ramp up towards August and we get to the camp and you get to hear from Campbell again when we get to that point. What are some of the things you're going to be working for? What are you trying to learn more about before, say, we get down to Big 12 media days and we really start to dig deep? What are you still trying to answer some questions on Iowa State football? One of the biggest questions I'll have is, is whether Iowa State's going to stick with the basically the 3-4 alignment. It's probably not the best way to describe it, but the three-down man alignment, mm-hmm. uh, three-down defensive lineman, and, and see if that changes at all. You know, Ryan Harklaw does sidelines for uh, Cyclone Radio Network. He was on there. Uh, radio show prior to the uh, the camping or not the the cheese it bowl, pardon me. And he was talking about some of the incoming guys they got come in. And his suspicion, and he's a lot smarter about this than I am, is that some of the personnel coming in might not be the best fit for a three four alignment. And obviously, we Matt Campbell and uh, defensive coordinator John Haycock are willing to change things up if if they feel it's the best fit for for what they got. So I'm not sure. I don't think they're going to give much away. They don't like to give away anything. Uh, really when it comes to you know, injuries or schematics. Uh, so we might not really find out until game one or maybe you know at some point during the season they could even make the change. They initially made the change from, from a four-lineman set to a three-lineman set mid-season, and you know, that's something that could happen again. But we'll see if we get any clues as to maybe uh, some, any kind of schematic changes or just how they use the personnel they have. Maybe it's going to be different from what we've seen in the past. You know, does... um. You go back to last year, right? The, the the expectations around this program for for the first time in a long time. I mean, they made history. They were never preseason top ten. They were preseason nine last year. We know how it didn't turn out. So this year, they seemingly, I don't know, they can they fly under the radar then, knowing the success that they've had. I'm not sure they can do that. But where I will where I will go with you here is. It seems like I think Campbell would prefer this type of off season, right? Where he doesn't have all these returning guys, these names that everybody that follows college football. Yeah, we know Will McDonald, we know a couple of these guys, uh, Xavier Hutchinson, etc. But the big, the other big names are gone. I'm thinking that uh, Campbell might prefer this. Am I all wet? Not entirely. I, you know, one one aspect of it that comes to mind for me is is another aspect of coaching that Matt Campbell has talked about that he really loves. In addition to building those. Uh, relationships with the recruits is the teaching, the practicing. He, he's talked about he loves practice maybe more than games itself. 
part of it may be the pressure and the speed of the games. You have to make so many decisions so quickly, and that that could really uh, get on you, no matter what level of coach you, you are. But you get time and practice to really work with guys and refine their skills and develop and improve. And, and he loves that, and I think his coaching staff embraces that as well. So, yeah, I'm sure in a lot of ways they're they're looking forward to working with this group because they they have guys who are not proven commodities who have room for growth, and they can really get down to the nuts and bolts of things and work with them in practice and, and make them better. So over to basketball, we do get some news yesterday as the basketball schedule getting closer and closer to being completed. The Big 12 challenge against the SEC, it will be Missouri. Of course, the old Big 8 matchup there, you got the connections. I know there were some people out there, though, hoping to be something a little juicier, but that Missouri team might be pretty good. They got Noah Carter coming in, got another big transfer. Tigers might be pretty good next season. Yeah, you know, I, I really haven't delved into the, where that program stands at the moment. I just think that that whole former Big 8 connection, I mean, that's how far it goes back. It's mm-hmm. part of the Big 12, even, uh, is going to uh, be plenty of juice for this rivalry. And they, you know, they get their share of talent down there. Iowa State gets its share of talent. And, of course, it's going to be a very different-looking team for Iowa State. We know that much when they hit the court. And it'll be a really interesting early-season test between that and the Iowa game and the Big East Challenge game. Uh, you know, we're going to get uh, a real, you know, kind of measuring stick, I guess, of of what uh, what kind of team Iowa State's going to have on the floor this season. You're number two at TJ Otzelberger. Number you're number one certainly went yeah. uh, well and exceeded every single one of those expectations. Dave, enjoy your weekend, Dave Sproul. Thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. Uh, always a pleasure, guys. Take care. Good to hear from you. Dave Sprout is our buddy from KASI 1430 on the AM dial checks in. I'm anxious to see both teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously going to look not entirely different. We'll know some of them, but certainly going to be some new pieces. So uh, just got a, a note on Twitter. Somebody sent this to us. Uh, CBS Sports has a full mock draft of all 58 selections. And at number 53, I believe it was, the Boston Celtics selecting... A.J. Green. Is that right? Iowa State adjacent there. Talking about needing for some bench and a point guard? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. A.J. Green. Well, look, I, I hope he makes it. I really yeah. do. It'd be great to see. Got a better chance at 22 than he does at 23. Uh, and don't think that that doesn't play into it as a massive, for whatever reason, certainly in the NBA, that means a ton. All right, we'll head to Vegas when we come back. Mike Palm's going to join us, and we'll get Tom Cakert in here on the Hawkeyes. Uh, Claxon's Barbecue, our final hour of the week. Miller and Condon with you 10 to noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.